Jordan. Ian. Who watched Twilight to see what all the fuss was about, loved it, and now dresses as a vampire every night when their wives go to bed. Mel Gibson? <laughs> no. Two guys. What? <laughs> Good old Mel. Good old Melly Gib. Melly Gibbo. <laughs> Melly Gibbo. <laughs> Hello and w- welcome to episode 37 of Two Guys What's Up, the weekly comedy podcast where if couches were made of fire, I'd be a roast potato. My name is Ian and I'm joined by the guy who fills my fluffy innards with cheesy top friendship, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? Hungry now. <laughs> that was quite a, a delightful little set of sentences there. Thank you very much. That is what goes through my mind at 2am. <laughs> yeah. When you cannot sleep. <laughs> yeah. You sit there thinking of stupid intros, daft questions, or deep truths in some sense, some cases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm okay, thank you. I've just enjoyed a nice cup of coffee, a Dolce Gusto coffee pod. Complete, of course, with a cross hatch of caramel drizzle on the top. Of course. Can't go too wrong. Standard. And I'm, I'm particularly happy. Oh yeah? Oh god, what's going on? Well, no, no, it's nothing really exciting but I find You've it- finally sold Teddy. You've gotten rid of him. The buyer said he's not bringing him back. You've made your money. <laughs> i tell you what, I, I want to at this point. Can you hear that? I can hear that scuffling, yeah. So we've got a baby gate at the top of the stairs and he's pawing at it right. to get down, but my wife is currently on a meeting, a video call meeting with her manager downstairs so right. I've been instructed to keep him upstairs yep. and he's being a bit of a pig. Makes sense. Even though he's a dog. <laughs> yeah, so if you hear any scuffling, it's not some sort of weird creepy ghosty <laughs> thing. It's just my dog. It's not some kind of person you have tied up in the corner of your house. Definitely not. Ooh, no, why would you say that? <laughs> oh, good, good. I don't know. Why, why would I say that, mate? Not as if I know the truth or something. <laughs> But anyway, going back to it and changing the topic quickly. <clears throat> um, so I got an email this morning from... Kim! <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, Have you heard from her lately, by the way? I haven't, no. Mm. I think um, she's grown sick of my tantalisingly sexy forthcoming. And uh, she's just like, I can't I can't deal with this anymore. Too full on. Yeah, I think it was the third coming that kind of put her off, wasn't it? She was just looking to give me a b- job while her boyfriend was out of town. And I was looking for love. What can I say? I know. Didn't work out, though, I'm afraid, did it? Unfortunately not, no. Mine's- <laughs> I have, to, I have to suck it up and move on with my life. Is that what you said to Kim? Maybe that's why she said... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she wanted. That's exactly what she wanted. Had I said that, I might have at least got a foot through the door. Uh, well, you're learning from your mistakes, if nothing else. Absolutely. <laughs> so I got an email from Quidco, and it said, Hey, Jordan, get your hands on a free £10. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> and it says, You may have seen a few bonuses sitting in your inbox recently, but as nothing has caught your eyes as of yet, we are back with another one, so we don't want you to miss out. All you have to do is opt in and shop at a retail of your choice and earn an extra £10. Remember, there is no minimum spend, (laughs) so treat yourself before it's too late. And so, I've done it. So I've earned myself an extra £10, and I just bought, like, an item for a quid on eBay. Okay, so where does this £10 that you've earned go? Is it cash in hand? It goes into the the Quidco account, as it were, and then you just withdraw it. Oh, okay. Uh, And just one question. What is a Quidco? Do you not are you not familiar with Quidco? I am, yeah, I just said that because I thought it'd be hilarious. <laughs> What about top cashback? <laughs> nope, no, no idea. Okay, right. Well, I could change your life, Ian. <laughs> I've been waiting. So basically <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
I've been hoping for all this time. <laughs> it might finally be of some use. <laughs> so it's effectively an account you sign up for where, let's say if you wanted to buy from eBay, for example, yeah. you go on the Quidco app. And you type eBay, you select that retailer, and that retailer will have different options based on it. So it may be, you know, 5% cash back if you spend blah, 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 or 2% cash back on these selected items, and, and so on. And so if you click the link through Quidco or Top Cashback, it goes to your retailer. They effectively kind of track it, and then you don't notice any difference. You complete your transaction, pay as you like, and it tracks it within the app, and then normally takes about two months the cash drops into the account and then you just withdraw it oh okay fair enough i think what they gain from it is sort of marketing information like getting an idea of what people are kind of into and just for example on top cash back alone over the past couple of years i've earned nearly 600 pounds back okay that's got into my bank account yeah and on quidco i think it's nearly 300 so i've earned a fair bit for doing nothing nice other than my normal spending so basically if i'm going to buy something i'll go through one of those apps, see what's the best kind of deal for me, mm-hmm. and then do what I was going to do anyway. Well, I might look into that, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Well, if I refer you, we both get a bonus. Nice, yes. Yeah, f***ing do that, pal. I'll just put my sign-up link in, <laughs> in the description. <laughs> yeah, good idea. If anyone wants to, we'll all get bonuses. <laughs> But, you know, funny thing is, uh, my bank has a similar thing. So it has, like, cashback options. Oh, yeah. But it's stupid. Like, I remember when my wife and I were sorting something out with the bank, and we were sat talking to uh, one of the, the managers, and it was like, oh, you don't use your cashback thing. I was like, well, no, I don't shop at any of the places that you can get cashback from. Mm. He's like, oh, mate, you're crazy. You know, I've, I've earned, like, £10, like, last week. And I was like, yeah, but we don't have a f***ing Primark in our hometown. <laughs> Yeah. I don't have a fucking Chick-fil-A or, you know, how, where am I supposed to use these? I don't travel anywhere, so... Yeah. And he was like, oh, mate, you're crazy. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> these you things just fool. aren't in our vicinity. <laughs> what do you expect from me? I like, can just imagine him reaching over the counter and slapping you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is for all the products that we have on the app that you don't use. <laughs> You should have said, nah, mate, I use Quidco and Top Cashback, get out. Yeah, <laughs> do you want me to refer you, Paul? <laughs> oh, oh, I wonder if that would work. If there was a particular place mm-hmm. that you wanted to shop that coincided with the bank app, mm-hmm. and you did it through Top Cashback or Quidco, you'd get, I guess, double the benefits? I don't think it's online. I think it's literally just going in. Uh, then that's a problem. Yeah. I, I don't like going into shops. I prefer going into shops, so I can then talk to people, pick things up, go, oh, yeah, this is nice and heavy just the way I want it or this is this is extra fluffy I have to get a dressing gown for my wife for her birthday and I'm looking online I'm like yep they all look like f***ing dressing gowns but I don't know which one I, I said to my wife can you just please pick one and I'll just buy you it because you know what you want she's like no I want you to get it that is what we do I think she's trying to prove a point she's like no you need to pick it you choose I don't want to choose it I'm like for sake but I know I know through me buying my wife something and giving it to her in hopes that she'll love it it is always been the wrong thing. Oh, right. Okay. I see. So you're just a bad husband. Absolutely. Yeah, apparently. And bad lover. Really <laughs> crap friend. Terrible father. <laughs> horrible person. <laughs> really <laughs> sh- drummer. <laughs> 
No, I'm jesting. Sorry, carry on. You know, I'll go to town, for example, and I'll go, oh, I'll surprise my wife. I'll pick her up a cake and I'll, I'll bring it home and she'll look at it and go, oh, uh, great, thanks. But I was kind of in the mood for something chocolatey. Right. So you're trying to do a nice deed, but it just always ends up being the opposite of what she wanted. Yeah, always the wrong thing. I think she just does it to mess with my emotions. <laughs> in spite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one day you could get a, a really nice, deluxe, expensive milkshake yeah. and then you give it to her and she says, oh, I'm lactose intolerant today. <laughs> no, it'd probably just be like, oh, I don't really fancy vanilla. I was up for a Ferrero Rocher milkshake or something. But, oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I preferred a baked good today. I'd have preferred you just not coming in that door and leave me alone. <laughs> we can but try. But anyway, how are you, by the way? Great, yeah, thanks. <laughs> good. So what are you going into today, Jordan? <laughs> well, I'm kind of changing tack, actually. Obviously, I cannot top the laughs of last week's episode with my professional comedy act reciting my own joke material. I kind of wondered if we'd be able to actually progress from that point because it was just so good. Exactly. I thought I've reached the limit. What else can I do? So this week it's obviously going to be something that's extremely hilarious, just top tier comedy. That's where it changes. Oh, okay. I'm actually going to be giving you all a list of the top five creepiest true experiments that have been conducted on human beings. And let me tell you, some of them are pretty damn awful. (laughs) And I just think people need to know about these. I couldn't not divulge it. Very nice. I can't wait to hear about that. I do, I mean, as morbid as it sounds, there is some kind of curiosity which is attached to these sorts of things. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing these. Absolutely. And also, I guess I've kind of boxed myself into a little bit of a corner, my own doing, and thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll just have a list of silly, funny things, which I think is great. But sometimes I would kind of like to talk about other things too. And I thought, you know what, this will present a... a a perfect opportunity. And very interesting it will be, I'm sure. And I'm intrigued what you will be going into because (laughs) you've purposely not told me anything. Yeah, yeah. You're for a f***ing treat, mate. I hope so. (laughs) This is one of the most terrifyingly creepy, horriblest, most craziest stories you'll ever hear in your life. (laughs) Okay. You've got me intrigued. Oh, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so Jordan, just so you're aware, I've started trying to, to hone my writing skills. So I've written this a little bit more poetically, right? So I think it's it's quite nicely written. So it's, it's telling the story just really beautifully. So I just want you to sort of just give me some feedback, you know, throughout. If, if, if you think it's all right. I mean, we can delete it after. It's fine. I just want to... Okay, yeah. I just want to know if my, my writing skills have progressed. Is that all right with you? Yeah, absolutely fine. Smashing. So uh, let's just jump into the story then, shall we? Let's do it. This story takes us back to the early 1940s in a small town in Pascagoula, Mississippi, USA. It was the summer of 1942. The sun was blazing. The sound of children's laughter filled the streets. The sound of men and women busying themselves around their day filled the streets. The sounds of birds chirping filled the streets. The sounds of car engines. Ian, it's a little over the top now. I wouldn't say it's any better. I thought that was quite nice. Was that not? No? I mean, you were maybe oversetting the scene. Okay, well, I, I just, you know, just trying to let you know it was a nice summer's day. People were busy. That Everything, the sounds of things were filling the streets. What you just said there would have sufficed. Okay. <laughs> okay, right. It's good to know. I'm learning. Yeah. Right, so, but this next paragraph, I think there's a, there's a beautiful piece of writing in there for you, John, that you're just going to f***ing... Chef's kiss, love, mate. You're going to want to snog it, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so, moving on. Thanks for that, by the way. Pascagoula was a peaceful and tight-knit community where everybody knew each other. Everyone was friends. The type of place where doors could be left unlocked. The type of place where cars could be left unlocked. The type of place where sheds could be left unlocked. The type of place where garages could... 
What? You're doing it again. You're just saying the same thing over and over. Did that not just flow beautifully? You know, letting you know? Did that not really cement in your mind that this was a safe neighbourhood? Yeah, but it's just repetition. There's comfort in repetition. Yeah, but when it shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, the first time it was constructive. Now it just hurts, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I know you're doing your best. I'm really trying. <laughs> Forget all that, right, if you're going to pick on it. The point is that the townsfolk all shared close friendships. However, this tranquility was shattered into a million tiny, creepy pieces when a set of bizarre and terrifying and spooky events began to unfold. Now, Ian, that was perfect. I just copied that from Wikipedia. Oh. All the rest is my writing, though. (laughs) The townsfolk were gripped with fear as they became aware of an elusive intruder in their midst, one that could break into their house while everyone was tucked up in bed, peacefully sleeping. Okay. How's your heckles there? They stood on point yet? Are, they, are you ready for action? Are you, are you hearing sounds about you thinking, what was that? You on edge, Jordan? No, not really. Oh, I was really hoping you'd kind of be shitting yourself by now, but whatever. I <laughs> just sat over a bucket. <laughs> this is too terrifying! <laughs> Teddy, fetch me that bucket. <laughs> your wife just hears from downstairs on, on, a, on a call. This is fate. <laughs> <laughs> the manager's like, what's going on? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> is someone doing roadworks where you're living there? <laughs> Why is that pneumatic drill so loud? <laughs> <laughs> so this intruder gained a terrifying nickname that conjured fear in all who heard it, which was based on the terrifying shit that they would get up to, skulking around the private and peaceful sanctuaries of all the residents, and the name that they gave was The Phantom Barber. What the f***? <laughs> That's right, Jordan. (laughs) Okay. The Phantom Barber was a mysterious figure who would break into homes under the cover of darkness, seeking one and one thing only, human hair. Thank God your dad's safe. (laughs) It is my dad. (laughs) I'll get me some hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, these locks are good. Perfect. So the shit that this guy would usually pull was to creep into people's homes while they slept, carefully giving them slick new hairdos as unwilling victims without waking them. Oh, right, okay. Interesting. You imagine just waking up like a shot back in sides. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of cool if you don't have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it would be helpful, I guess, if you, like, go to bed and you're like, oh, man, I've got such a busy day tomorrow, I've got to get up, get the kids to school, I've got to go and get my hair cut, blah, 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 and then you wake up to find one of your jobs already done for you. So good. Can he also make me breakfast? Just leave a note on the table. It's like, hey, up, choppy. Um, <laughs> just do us a favour. After you've cut my, well, before you cut my hair, because I don't want any of them little annoying hair shards in my cereal, but just, just pour us a bowl and a coffee. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. It's busy. It's a community service, really. Yeah, they can really, like, work on this and like employed it in their everyday life not gonna be scared of it get a free haircut get your living room tidied the phantom maid yeah that's a much better name <laughs> leave a tenner out on the table with a list of jobs <laughs> comes and cuts your hair does the rest of the housework perfect lovely where do i sign up pascagoolahairchopperman.com okay yeah on it so strangely the phantom guy he seemed to only target females both young and old women and girls would wake up to find their precious locks missing some had mohawks some had crew cuts one even had a perm probably but this strange intruder left the town in a state of heightened anxiety and paranoia that's now sexist yeah you imagine like me leaving out a note it's like oh yeah mate a little long on the sides uh, leave the fringe as it is don't touch my beard please and then there's a tenant he just walks in scoffs at it goes straight for my wife choppy choppy <laughs> Ha ha ha!
<laughs> what as if like that note was left by her leave the beard so it goes up to my wife though looks at her like what leave the beard what are you on about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like scratching his head I have to wake her up excuse me love i've just got your note right and it, it don't make sense that, that was uh, that was from my husband oh shit well now i have to kill you because you've seen me <laughs> oh dear it goes dark fast that doesn't it <laughs> As is uh, normally my thoughts. <laughs> a little insight into Ian's mind, everybody. So, the first recorded incident occurred when a woman woke up one morning to discover that her hair had been cut while she slept, as per his MO. She immediately reported the strange encounter to the local authorities, who were initially baffled by the bizarre crime, as I guess anyone probably would be. Yeah, also how they've called it a crime as well. Uh, well, breaking and entering. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. And also the fact that maybe you were trying to grow your hair out. Yeah, yeah, so it's like an invasion of hair <laughs> well it's an invasion of your home and your potential hair growing aspirations your personal space to say the least yes absolutely as the news of the phantom barber's deed spread the town was consumed by fear residents began taking extreme precautions by doing things like locking doors and windows yeah that makes sense did they also lock cars sheds garages <laughs> wheelie bins dog cages, everything. Anything with a lock, anything that could be locked was locked. Ah, right. But, I mean, that sounds like a stupid thing to say. I mean, yes, lock your f***ing doors and windows on a night. Yeah, don't you find it weird that in yesteryears, that kind of wasn't really a thing? Yeah. People just left things open. I find that so weird. It is a very strange concept, I think, for us millennials to grasp here, but why have a door with a lock if you're not just going to use it? Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I would like to imagine that we could live in a world where that isn't a necessity. Absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, it it just makes perfect sense that while you're unconscious and you're going to be out of it for the next eight to ten hours to just make sure that someone can't come in and do things like cut your hair i mean be thankful that that's all they did yeah true i mean how do you really know that that is all they did fair point you know unless you've got cctv in every room of your house like me <laughs> how would you know no one wakes up with their toenails painted is that not normal I'd just wake up and it's done. You sleepwalking. <laughs> I used to do that as a kid. Did you? Yeah, I used to sleepwalk. I'm going to put my notes down and I want you to tell me more. <laughs> Well, see, I don't remember it. There is one thing. I think I was about six years old. I cut my mum's hair. <laughs> All I remember is being told that I used to sleepwalk because I had no memory of it. Right. But there is one time where I ended up waking myself up because the burglar alarm went off. Yeah. And I was halfway walking down the stairs and I just remember my eyes opening and me kind of snapping into the room. Fucking hell. It was kind of disorientating. It was really weird. I can imagine. Yeah, I was going to say it must have been horrible if you lose your foot and you're like, you're like what the fuck am I on the stairs for? I lose your foot. And, you know, that's, that's going to be a painful night sleep yeah well i suppose it wouldn't be a night's sleep really would it just be a painful night (laughs) (laughs) and all i remember from that is my mum behind me asking you know are you okay kind of thing yeah and that's all i remember as i say i must have been five or six but i can picture the image in my mind of that very moment post it if you want post it on the instagram okay yeah yeah draw it hook my head up to it (laughs) As we spoke about last week, it's possible. That is true. So as well as doing things as locking doors and windows, they formed neighbourhood watch groups to help protect their loved ones from the mysterious intruder and even did things like put up signs on their door that read, F*** off, hair guy. Nice. <laughs> Gets to the door, reads that, Oh, thought I was doing something really helpful. <laughs> Try to grow it out, you pr- <laughs> If you left a note saying that, it might have just been a nice guy. You know, thinking he was doing something right. Yeah, true. If you left a note saying, just leave it alone, please, and he might have just been like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, tr- very true. I wonder if anyone tried that. Not necessarily Phantom Barb, a more Phantom Bastard. <laughs> 
Phantom assuming that you want your hair cut. Yeah, yeah. The Phantom Assumer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so law enforcement officers work tirelessly to apprehend the Phantom Barber. They followed leads, conducted stakeouts, and interviewed potential witnesses. However, despite their efforts, the culprit remained one step ahead of them. Right. And despite the heightened vigilance, the creepy cutter managed to carry on to elude capture, leaving no trace of his identity or motive. As time went on, the community's fear turned into frustration and anger. With no breakthrough in the investigation, rumours and speculations began to spread about the identity of the spooky hairdresser. Some believed it was an outsider passing through the town, while others speculated it might be someone they knew and trusted. I think they suspected the local hairdresser. <laughs> yeah, maybe go to the guy that owns about 800 pairs of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who owns a barbershop, does it for a living. <laughs> And always looks really tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Good point. But finally, in December 1942, the Phantom Barber struck for his last time when he targeted two young girls, Virgil and Melba Geordie, and began his usual shenanigans by cutting their hair while they slept. Fortunately, though, the girls' fathers heard a noise and rushed into the room to investigate. Upon hearing the dad enter the room, the horrible hair guy got a right fright and took off, but before he could escape, the dad caught a glimpse of the scissor master fleeing into the night, but was unfortunately unable to apprehend him. Oh, right. Okay, so he was also a part-time gymnast. It seems so, yeah. Just vaulted over the f***ing chimney. <laughs> over the chimney? Yeah, jumped out the back window, vaulted over the house, and then sprinted <laughs> to freedom. Wow. So it's as if he's some sort of parkour expert. <laughs> yes. Parkour barber. Hardcore parkour barber. Phantom parkour barber. <laughs> Oh, God. So the police, aided by the description provided by the Geordie family, intensified their efforts to catch the elusive crew cut culprit. And in January 1943, a local man named William Dolan was arrested and charged with the choppiest of crimes. No longer phantom. The evidence against him was largely circumstantial, and some residents were sceptical of his guilt. Nevertheless, Dolan was convicted and sent to an asylum where it was said that he never cut hair again. Or maybe just never had in the first place. Oh, right. So no one really knows. Yeah, it was just all circumstantial. They kind of just went, uh, uh, that guy. It's like they just scapegoating him, like saying, he's the one. It must be him. Oh, poor guy. He's like, I don't even own a f***ing pair of clippers. <laughs> I don't even have hands. I hate touching hair. It's greasy. <laughs> oh, you know what? I asked my hairdresser the other day, is it true with the rumours that not washing your hair is healthy for your hair? Oh, yeah. And she said, not really. It just makes it super oily and it stinks. <laughs> oh, fair enough. That's what she said. <laughs> I, I never thought about that, but yeah, I guess it would kind of smell. On that note, right, I love it how people go to places that, like, sell things or do things, like you with a hairdresser, and just expect them to be, like, completely knowledgeable of everything to do with that aspect of it. Mm. But imagine you go into, say, Primark, and then you go up to the cashier, and because they work with clothes, you're automatically like, so, um, this South Arabian silk, was this manufactured by a weave, or was it done by hand? And, mm. you know, expecting them just because they work with clothes to know everything about clothes. Yeah, I get you. So, like, I mean, like someone like yourself going into the barbers, they might have studied how to cut hair, but they're not scientists. So why would they know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to better their understanding of the world. Who knows? I dare say, if you're going to ask someone, they're probably the best candidate, you know, for the people you can get your hands on in, in your everyday life. I mean, I'm not going to call Stanford University and be like, can I speak to your, your hair scientist, please? But <laughs> I want to know, can I wash my hair or not? <laughs> Stop calling, Jordan. <laughs> Fine, I'll ask the barber. <laughs> they don't know fucking shit. <laughs> 
apparently their scissors are so expensive, though. I can imagine they would be, yeah. And they have to be so careful to not drop them, because as soon as they drop them, they've kind of knackered the scissors. Really? Yeah, the blade's on them. F***. I think that's what they'd probably say. Probably something in that region. (laughs) So, after Dolan's arrest, the incidents of the Phantom Barber did abruptly stop, leaving the town to wonder whether they had indeed caught the real culprit, or whether he just saw this as an out and stopped his silly games, meaning the true identity of the Phantom Barber would forever remain a mystery. Mm. Which brings us to the end of the most scariest, (laughs) mind-boggling tale that I have ever brought to you in 37 episodes. (laughs) I'll tell you what, when you said, you're not really going to believe what I'm doing this week... I didn't know what to envision, and it certainly wasn't that. <laughs> Brilliant. How weird. And the fact that some guy actually got done for that. Yeah, yeah, and sent to an asylum. Yeah, so as soon as I saw Phantom Barber, I thought, okay, so is this a real thing? Thing or not, but clearly this is something that that was taken quite seriously. It was. It, it held the town in a, a vice-like grip of fear, terror, which made them all wake up with good haircuts. <laughs> I mean, it's still kind of polite. Public service, really. I think I'd be all right with that. As long as I didn't touch anything in my house. You know, shower before you come in, so you don't mucky anything Stink. up. Stink. Yeah. It, <laughs> you wash your hair. Apparently it's, it's good for you. <laughs> That's what the barber said. But, I mean, she was trying to sell products. <laughs> yeah, very true. Have you tried this shampoo, Jordan? It's only £58 a bottle. <laughs> per square. <laughs> and, uh, in a sense, I'm kind of glad that it was a fairly light-hearted thing, because now, given that my creepiest true experiments yep. could feel a little darker, at least it, it kind of balances things out. <laughs> nice little bit of yin and yang. There you go. And just before we continue, how was my writing skills? How would you rate them on a 1 to 10? Do you think that's a bit better? Because I've written the next 10 episodes already, I- exactly in that format and style, so... I think you did a super job. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, minus the first couple of paragraphs. Okay, right, well, I was just getting into it then, all right? Yeah, it just is just a bit much. Just a, just a bit f*** off, yeah. I'm trying here. <laughs> but no, can I say I thought you did a super job? Oh, thanks, mate. I'm awaiting my gold star in the mail. Yes, and a little cookie. F***ing hell, and a parsnip. <laughs> I won't hold that against you. <laughs> Smash it. So, tell me some f***ing experiments, pal. <laughs> Yeah, list of the top five creepiest true experiments conducted on human beings. And it was kind of hard to choose, <laughs> really. So I could probably do another part on this at some point in the future. But we'll start at number five, which I think you alluded to last week, which was the Tuskegee Syphilis Study. That's the one. Yeah. So for anyone that isn't aware, syphilis posed a substantial public health challenge during the 1920s. And in 1928, the Julius Rosenwald Fund initiated healthcare support for African Americans in rural areas of the American South. However, by 1932, the fund began enrolling poor African American men from Alabama under the guise of treating their bad blood, as they called it. This term, kind of a catch-all for various ailments including anemia, fatigue and syphilis, concealed the study's true purpose. So in return for participation, these men received medical care, sustenance and additional benefits such as burial insurance. But unbeknownst to them, however, they were victims of a deception. Remarkably, these men were left uninformed about their syphilis diagnosis and they received no treatment, zero. Wow. Even after penicillin became a standard remedy in the 1940s. Pretty awful. Do you say they started in the 1920s? Yeah, so this has been going on a while. So they left them with this suffering for 20 years? Yep. F*** 
fucking hell. Yeah, <laughs> not great, is it? Not at all. And nor were they informed that they were part of an experiment studying untreated syphilis. And despite ethical concerns raised as early as 1936, the study endured until 1972. Fucking hell. When the media coverage, yeah, and ensuing public outrage finally brought it to a close. That's fucking great. That is awful. I can hear what was going through the people's minds as well, you know, who were conducting this experiment. You know, getting to 1936 and them going, hang on, this probably ain't right. They're probably, you know, they don't care. They just go, well, we've come this far. Yeah, so yeah. No one stopped us yet. Do you think they can get away with anything? Disgusting. Yeah, it is truly awful. And finally, in 1997, an official public apology was extended to the victims of the study. And I just think about goddamn time, really. They should have just never f***ing done it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, truly awful. Brings us to number four, which is the Milgram shock experiments. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah classic one. I think this even featured on a Darren Brown show oh. quite a while ago. So this was conducted by Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram during the 1960s. It comprises of a series of social psychology experiments. Its objective was to assess the extent to which individuals would comply with the directives of an authority figure, mm-hmm. even if those instructions conflicted with their moral convictions. So the Milgram study, individuals referred to as teachers, were recruited for a Yale research endeavour that appeared to focus on memory and learning. But unbeknownst to those teachers, their counterparts, labelled as learners, were actually actors. The teachers were instructed to read word lists to the learners and administer electric shocks from another room whenever a mistake occurred during the word-matching tests. The teachers believed that the shock intensity escalated with every error, ranging from 15 to 450 volts. Now, bear in mind, the lethal dose to humans is commonly up to around 250 volts. Yes. And strikingly, approximately two-thirds of the teachers knowingly proceeded to administer lethal shocks at the highest voltage levels to the learners simply because they were told to. Ah, it's insane, isn't it? That is so weird. That is, like, double the lethal dosage. Have you heard about the modern-day sort of thing that happened with the McDonald's call? I don't think so. I think there's a film that's been made about it, but essentially what happened is someone called a McDonald's claiming to be a police officer right. saying that one of their employees, which was a female, had been caught stealing. Okay. So these people on the phone claiming to be the police officer were saying things like I mean it escalated as it went but I think it ended up saying look you're going to have to strip search them Wow. get them naked in the office check them, you know, cavity search them to make sure they haven't stolen this money or whatever it was. Wow, okay. And the people complied just because on the phone the person was saying no you're doing the right thing I'm a police officer, I'm telling you to do this Oh, I see. And they complied with it. And obviously it wasn't a police officer. It was just some f***ing edge, yeah. Wow. But like no one in the situation went, can you not just like, you know, come in, show me your badge for a start off, maybe? <laughs> yeah, who am I speaking to? Prove yourself, come into the place. Maybe you take this and do it under the correct investigation protocol, something like that. Yeah. Not just, I'll just f***ing, wow. you know, clear out these burger buns. I'll just get these gloves. Sit on the desk here. <laughs> you know, I'll do the search as I'm being told. You know, it's f***ing ridiculous. Wow. Absolutely f***ing insane. I've never heard of that, but... That is, it's exactly the same thing. F***ing stupid. <laughs> Just makes you realise what people will do under an authority figure. Exactly. And this is the kind of thing where, you know, you have to sort of start thinking to yourself, maybe I shouldn't listen to other people or other things, you know. I'll, I'll have to have my own inner monologue telling me what I think rather than being told what to think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just to go back to the Milgram experiment, I didn't quite get to, but in case anyone isn't familiar, no genuine shocks were actually administered to the teachers. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so contrary to the appearance as a memory and learning study, the real essence of this experiment lay in exploring our obedience to authority figures, a bit like what we were just saying. Yes. The Milgram shock experiment remained a subject of controversy, naturally. While criticism is aimed at their lack of realism, some highlight the significance of the results in understanding human behaviour under distress. And, for reference, in 2010, a replication of this study reaffirmed the findings in exactly the same way, with around 70% of teachers obediently delivering what they believe to be the highest voltage shocks to their learners. That, you know, we're talking 15 years ago or so. Yeah. It's very recent. I'm happier with this experiment rather than the first one that you mentioned, because at least with this one, it's bringing attention to the fact that people will do this, so it's raising awareness. Without actually hurting anyone. Without actually hurting someone yet, or doing something detrimental to someone's health yeah so mm. it's like saying to people look like you were following me because I, I said I was a scientist or whatever so maybe don't f- do that <laughs> I suppose also though I guess you could argue or there could be an argument at least that there could be psychological trauma to those teachers who believed were admitting these lethal dosages yeah that's very true and so I guess even under that it's still a controversial thing yeah it's still a bit it's a funny grey area isn't it yeah because you can't know about it without doing it. Yeah, very true. <laughs> wow, look at us getting all theoretical. I know, yeah, it's dark, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've got more for you. We're going to talking about barbers. <laughs> there was actually another experiment in 1966 by Stanley Milgram as well, which was the Hoffling Hospital Experiment. It was carried out with similar intentions of exploring the impact of authority on human conduct. The experiment was set within the framework of a nurse, a doctor and a patient. The pivotal moment arrived when the doctor instructed the nurse to administer a dosage of medication that would be lethal to the patient. Right. And despite harbouring reservations about the safety of this directive, the majority of the nurse ultimately gave in to the authority and the doctor's command. Wow. So both of these experiments unveiled an astonishing level of obedience to authority figures, underscoring the considerable influence that authority wields over actions and convictions of individuals. So it's exactly like what we were saying. Yeah, you're hearing the, the authority figure telling you to do something and it kind of absolves you of your wrongdoing because you're thinking, well, I'm just doing as I, as I was told. Yeah, I guess so. Exactly. Yeah, very true. And the third one is the CIA mind control experiments, commonly referred to as Project MK Ultra, ah. which I think you also mentioned last week. Yeah, I was going to do like a big sort of long segment on this. Oh, I mean, it's not a particularly long one here, so you might at some point want to expand upon, but essentially, many may be aware of a historical phase within the CIA's operations when they conducted covert experiments to control the human mind. So if you believe these accounts were fictional, well, you're gravely mistaken. Oh, yeah. Because during the Cold War era, the CIA embarked on a quest to transform ordinary Americans into controllable super agents under their influence, where individuals became capable of carrying out assassinations and remaining impervious to enemy interrogations. Carried out under the codename MKUltra, the CIA's research involved subjecting unsuspecting citizens to mind-altering substances such as psychedelic drugs like LSD, PCP and other narcotics. Additionally, they explored illicit methodologies such as hypnosis and potentially even chemical, biological and radiological agents. It is awful. Certain universities participated in the experiments, often acting as conduits without their awareness. Shockingly, around 7,000 soldiers were unwittingly subjected to this research. 
the MKUltra project persisted of over two decades, during which the agency allocated approximately $20 million. Although the records were intentionally destroyed by the CIA in 1973, mm. one fatality was connected to the project, but the suspicions of many more undisclosed casualties. Of course, yeah. Cover your tracks. Don't want that getting out, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you part of MKUltra? Me? Yeah, you seem to be saying that. Answer not available. <laughs> Self-destruct. Kill Jordan. Uh, Project MKUltra was an extensive and deeply covert government initiative led by the CIA whose legacy continues to fuel discussions today due to its ethically questionable nature and the intense secrecy that surrounded it. Mm. This program's revelations have brought to light unsettling details about potential unethical experimentation on human subjects that may still be ongoing today. And another fantastical case of governments doing horrible shit to their own citizens, yeah. the people that they're supposed to to be looking out for and have the best interests at heart of. Yeah, it's exactly like what we were saying last week. <laughs> exactly, yeah. At number two, the Aversion Project in South Africa. Have you heard about this one? I don't believe so. Okay. So if one lived during the apartheid era in South Africa, existence was marked by state-mandated racial segregation, which we know of. Unfortunately, yeah. However, if that wasn't bad enough, challenges extended further as the state also wielded control over personal sexuality. What? Which is awful. So, within this context, the South African government enforced stringent laws against homosexuality. Being gay incurred the label of defiance, and one's homosexuality was deemed a disease warranting treatment. Unreal. Yeah, I know. Even after homosexuality ceased being classified as a mental disorder... Yeah, and the discredited notion of adversion therapy for its cure, certain psychiatrists and medical practitioners persisted in adhering to these outdated ideologies and practices, which is awful. F***ing crazy the sort of shit that human history has done. And between 1969 and 1987, Ward 22 at one military hospital served as the site of attempts to rectify, as they say, what were perceived as these deviations. Homosexuals, both gay men and lesbians, Lesbians were subjected to a plethora of drugs and electroconvulsive behaviour therapy. Yeah. Lost for words. <laughs> it's truly, truly awful. This was coupled with exposure to aversive stimuli in the form of same-sex erotic images, followed by images of the opposite sex displayed after administering electric shocks. When this method proved ineffective, yep. of course, victims were subjected to hormone therapy, sometimes entailing chemical castration. Yeah, uh, that's just it's, uh, shocking, isn't it? You're doing something that we don't want to do, so we're going to fuck up your life. Yeah, so we're going to force it. Yeah. So, moreover, approximately 900 men and women underwent gender reassignment surgery. What? Yeah, as subsequent endeavours to redirect the orientations. But it failed. Of course it fucking did. And the majority <laughs> of these procedures occurred without proper consent, and some were even left unfinished. Fuck. Hell. Yeah, it does. It makes you hold very little hope for humanity. Yeah, that's. Well, I was going to say this is the worst one yet, but I mean, how do you really. How do you. This is the worst in its feel. How do you decide? They're all fucking awful. Terrible. But I've put at number one, Unit 731. Is this uh, the. Is it Japan? It is. So, for everyone that isn't aware, Unit 731 represented a sinister facet of the Imperial Japanese Army's pursuits during World War II, engaging in research centered in biological and chemical warfare which included harrowing human experimentation. In the shadows
Pillars of Secrecy, Unit 731, known publicly as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Supply Unit, was established in the underbelly of the Japanese-controlled Manchuria. Started in the mid-1930s, military personnel deliberately exposed victims to deadly diseases such as anthrax, buponic plague, cholera, syphilis, and typhus, among other pathogens. Which is awful. Absolutely. Like, how can someone like be happy to do that? Yeah, and, ju- and just accept that as, oh yeah, fine. Yeah, and then, and then just go home, you know, have your meatloaf for dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the day at work. Yeah, I generally just sentenced about 38 men to death. Yeah, yeah. great. Gave him a death sentence. So bad. Apparently, the objective was to comprehend the effects of these agents on the human body and explore their viability for their original intention of use in World War Two, both as bombs and other forms of attacks. So it gets even worse. So not only are you doing it to one person, you're doing that to test the results so you can then inflict it on thousands of others. Exactly. And in a shocking disregard for human dignity, Unit 731 also subjected individuals to a variety of gruesome experiments, including dissections and vivisections yeah. performed on living beings. Living beings. All conducted without the use of anesthesia, under the misguided belief that anesthesia would distort research findings. Not that, you know, even if they did it with anesthetic, doing that to someone would be like, oh, yep, yep, fair enough, yeah, good job, guys, well done. Yeah, as if that would sort of make it okay. Yeah, a vivisection, for anyone who doesn't know the difference, is dissection is when a person has passed, and a vivisection is while they're still alive. Awful. And these horrifying practices targeted a range of subjects, with Chinese civilians, prisoners of war, and victims from various nationalities, including Russians and Americans, subjected to the horrors. Remarkably, the estimate for those victimised within the facility reaches around 100,000 individuals. Wow. However, when accounting for biological field experiments, such as the release of plague-infested fleas over a Chinese village and the contamination of wells with cholera, estimates of the death toll surge more towards 250,000 or more. Awful. Really not good. The experiments were performed over a span of 13 years, ending in 1945, when the Russians invaded Manchuria. Unit 731 was deliberately burned, and all evidence was destroyed in an attempt to hide what they had done. So they knew they were doing something bad. Oh, yeah. First class beds. Absolutely, yeah. So that is all of them. <laughs> Thankfully for today, I don't think we can take any more. But I think <laughs> what, what creeps me out the most is that these things did happen. They were allowed to take place. And it's just, I mean, this was just so few. There's so many more. Mm. As I say, I could probably revisit it again at some point. There's so much more content to be said. But yeah, let us know if you want to hear a part two for that. Because uh, there might be some people out there going, please no. I don't want to hear any more of that shit. I preferred Mad Libs. <laughs> the two sides of the Jordan spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Really joyous or really dark. So, yeah, you'd think all of that was fictional and just from some sort of movie. Yeah. But no, this is what people really live through. Horrendous. Mm. So with that ends creepiest true experiments conducted on humans. Uh, would you like to end on some good news? Uh, a happy note? No, not really. Just leave that bitter taste just <laughs> sitting in the mouths of our listeners. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should end it on a happy note, shouldn't we? Go on then, what you got for us? Good news. Um, I had a lovely coffee today. <laughs> that is, well, that is the best news I've heard all day, Jordan. So long as you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. I'm content. <laughs> and that'll do. <laughs>
Oh, dear. Well, thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for regaling me with those horrible stories. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. <laughs> and that's nothing to do with the stories. You're just terrible at sleeping. Yes. I might catch a gum to that barber. <laughs> so, does that about bring us round to the end of today's episode? I think it does. Oh, fucking fantastic, me old pal. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Two Guys What's Up. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to us so you don't miss another episode. And maybe even tell a friend. Take your friend over to your house and have a lovely little sleepover so that you both might wake up with the most smartest and sophisticated of haircuts. <laughs> I'm not going to base that on your segment, Jordan. <laughs> That's all right with you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch with us, our Linktree link is in the bio of this episode where you can click on and just be simply jetted off to the places where you can find all the links to talk to us, listen to us, and there you will even find our Patreon. Oh, and what is our Patreon? Well, Jordan, I'm glad you asked. Our Patreon is where you can find all sorts of Two Guys What's Up bonus stuff, including our beautiful pin badges, which comes with a shout out, our gorgeous Two Guys What's Up branded t-shirts to keep you looking sexier than a sexy cucumber. <laughs> I mean, they are sexy. And if you really can't get enough of our fantastic tales and downright sexy voices well then now you can get more of it because we now have bonus episodes which we release on the last friday of every month there's currently two sitting there and all that is available right now starting with the bonus episodes kicking it all off for just three pounds a month so if you want to help support the show and get some cool stuff while you do it head over to patreon.com forward slash two guys what's up to check out all the goodies over there the link will be down below for your clicking fucking pleasure oh dear but if you <laughs> changed that up for the darker didn't i <laughs> but if you can't do that but you'd still like to help us out then a five star rating and review in the apple podcast app would go such a long way to help us out and we would be eternally grateful we really would but on that note thanks for listening you have an amazing week guys and we will see you next monday bye The point is that the t- the point is that it was a t- the point is <laughs> the point is what Ian <laughs> I've just written that hundred thousand times. There's that repetition again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>